leading us in that time of worship. Isn't the Lord good? Wow. We're only on day two a, a great presence of the Lord and uh, working the heart. I so appreciate that. I appreciate each one of your willingness to let God do what he does. I just bless you in that. I encourage you in that. And I pray that God would give you a special treat in the coming week as you face some of those challenges that you will be going back to. The best you know how, you've uh, been shaking off some of those cares of this life, whether it's your job or your schooling or a relationship that is troubling you. You came here, and in coming, you were preparing to hear from the Lord. You were expecting that God would do something in your life. And I appreciate that about you. I appreciate the hunger that you came with. And God was meeting you in that request as you came. That's one of the reasons we're able to communicate at the level that's been communicated uh, from the platform and from one another and, and the interaction that you have around the centrality of Jesus. Because there was a preparing that was going on in your hearts and would speak something to you. And that no matter what, he's going to be with you all the time. Amen? Amen? So you came with that, and so I thank you for that. I was curious about one thing, and that is I was wondering how many dating couples are here with us today. How many dating couples? One here. Anybody else? It looks like I missed my teaching assignment. I should maybe have been speaking on dating. Some of you are wondering how to do it, who to do it with. Maybe we could have taught into something like that. Now, I know your story it's probably going to be different than my story was, as you heard how my wife and I were connected and what God did with that. And we didn't have a first two years of honeymoon. Many, many challenges uh, throughout their marriage point back, and it used to be so good back here. It wasn't good for us at the beginning. It was, it was, was we could hardly find good. Um, whether it was with each other or our situation or the trauma that followed us into our marriage. But I want you to take a moment to look in my eyes and then when my wife is here to look in her eyes and to see what God has done with us together. Because truly, like the marriage feast, when the one in charge was like, why did you save the better wine till last, and I've heard many couples throughout the years talk about their first love and how they lost and, and are having a hard time getting it back, and they become empty nesters, and the kids grow up and leave, and kids, and things shift, and other things and other people get their attention, and, and they're struggling in a relationship one with another. Well, it's very different 
for my wife and I because for us, every year it got better. In those years, there were new challenges and new trauma that developed and tried to break into our hearts. But my wife and I have something, both of us have a high level of tenacity. And we kept working through it. As you probably know, I didn't come here to say all that. I think we need some more dating couples. Amen? I did put my running shoes on this morning because I could do some running on that subject. Amen? I told my daughter of 22, I said, you're going to have to get out. If, if your guy doesn't see you, how, how are you going to, you know, you can come with me to the conference. I mean, you, you got to get out there. So you're out there. Um, it's okay to be looking. You're not sure about that, are you? You're just not used to somebody talking that way about it or what? But some of your spouses are seated right here for some of you. Excuse my grammar. But um, in the subject that I want to talk about today has to do with that. And if you remember my story, I said, Lord, it's on you. Never knowing for so many of those early years what a gift truly I had the opportunity partner with and to do life with. And I say some of this to say this. Some of you are going to get in a dating relationship, a marriage relationship, and you're going to get very confused at some point of what this is all about. Because you're going to see some things about your spouse that you never knew what the Lord continues to work in both you and them and how they perceive life the instead of the world view the family view they were in and some of you have heard so many stories about my age generation where There was so many people from Protestant backgrounds and then Anabaptist backgrounds that joined in a church community. And there were many marriages. Shake your head if you've heard these stories. No? Some of you, that's your parents. And there were what some people say, Mennonites and non-Mennonites. And there was a, a cultural difference. And then also some cultural clashing. And it caused unique challenges of its own that I've never heard stories like. And that was specifically the case for my wife and I from the background I was coming from, the background she was coming from, and it wasn't that we differed on who God is and even many doctrinal issues. For instance, 
I mentioned to you that I went, had the opportunity to go to a Baptist Bible college, which they're very patriotic. I pastor with a Vietnam veteran. And so those are some things that you've thought about and heard table conversations. And I, I held up my hand out in Bible college and I said, God, here are some four or five doctrinal issues I don't know what to do with. Would you settle me in this process of time in Bible college? And he did some of them and others I'm still looking at. And one of those things is, is how we look at taking life. Now, as my co-pastor, a 70-some-year-old Vietnam veteran that is much deeper in his walk with the Lord than I am and has a, a, a much uh, a better worldview that I have been learning from and has been a Bible many years. He was an FBI agent as he was a professor, um, was very involved in, in that pit, political arena. I have come to uh, be able to 100% appreciate him and honor him in that standing. But he probably knows, I don't know if we've ever even had a seven-minute conversation, that I would not be able to to sign up and, and join the military and take the lives of others. My father was a conscientious objector. I know his stories. But not only was he a conscientious objector, he lived his life that way. Now, I say all this to say this. My wife and I have never argued about that subject. We have argued about plenty of other things. But not that one. Um, We haven't argued about political things. We haven't argued about uh, theological things. And we haven't argued about money. So um, I won't tell you what we've argued. But um, she would be patriotic and still would be today in saying it's okay to defend our country. You know, and so we've had some interesting conversations. And, you know, I was like, how are we going to raise our sons? And how are we going to raise them in a household where we would differ on that subject matter? It, it, it hasn't been a problem. But, it, you know, um, I don't. And yet, being able to go to church with these people, because in a sense, they feel they're right on that view and I would feel I'm right on that view for me. But I've come to be able to relate it's right for them. We can both be right. And I use that illustration as more of a surface one. But there's so many other things that happen. And so I want to encourage you as you get into a dating relationship and you get into a marriage relationship and you start building a family to keep Christ first. Some of those things just need to be, you know, Set aside, and I think your generation does well not making a mountain out of molehills. Amen. Pat yourself on the back a little bit for for doing that, but you've had to watch some of us fight through that. And over the years, I've shied away, even in my preaching, um, of uh, preaching on doctrinal issues that could vary so greatly because I do. 
quite a bit of traveling and preaching. I preach a lot in Africa and used to preach a lot in prison crusades and, and in prisons on a, a weekly basis. But even in pastoring, I've had a hard time to, to really zone in on doctrinal issues that could be so divisive because in our community church, we have folks from many different denominational backgrounds. And so hopefully a little bit of that was helpful for you because I appreciate each one of you and look forward to what God will do in your lives regarding dating and marriage. And those of you who are called to be single, I'll give you a tag saying that's okay too. Amen. That's okay. There's no pressure. You know, before I came up, I had to understand because I had so much material. I'm intentionally... I'm making myself uncomfortable and getting through the material and say it's on his time. There's no pressure. There's no pressure for you to meet that special someone. Um, right now, the average is waiting longer. Um, I guess that's okay. I guess it's going to need to be okay, right? And so, but if God has put that desire in your heart, pursue it, surrender it, um, and let him have his way in it, you know. Appreciate y'all dating. Used to be from California. Was Were you also from California? So you were from where? North Carolina here. And so God bless y'all. What a special blessing that y'all get to have the opportunity to to court one another to get to know each other and uh we appreciate y'all your testimony of coming from california um was a blessing to me and so there's people that love god too amen what do i do now somebody tell me i'm having fun talking about dating i mean this is this is my stumping grounds of getting to know my wife after we were committed to one another, and I was still there before we were betrothed, I would come home from work, and all I wanted is for her to look at me. But the whole family's there, and so she felt so intimidated even to look at me. So she didn't even look at me. And I'm like, really? And so after 25 years, I'm still saying, honey, would you just meet me at the door to kiss me? That's, you know, I'm a touch guy. That's my love language. And um, I'm, I'm ta- I, I just meet me. At, that's all I'm asking. And um, that's happening more and more after 25 years. So sometimes you just have to wait a long time to get what you want to want to have. She's not that much of a kisser. I just thought when somebody gets married, there's just a lot of kissing that goes on. But I've discovered some people just don't like kissing. And my wife's not the only one, but she's going to out-kiss me over. That's how I believe about God and, and the desire. He put the desire in my heart to kiss. There's... This one friend of mine, he's talking about marriage and he's talking about intimacy. And we're in Africa. And, and people say things when they go on mission trips they don't normally say and they're more bold. And, and he said, he said, you know, he said, I think every couple ought to, ought to kiss for 10 minutes before they have sex. And I'm like, okay, um, I, I, I wouldn't have sex in because I don't get to kiss for three minutes. And so... So, um, yeah, 
Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, that is a part of it. I got to get out that stuff before she comes tonight. Amen. I'm just saying, do we go deeper or move on? I do want to say this is the day that the Lord hath made. I'm thankful for that. I'm just having such a good time being here. Just putting aside some of the things at home. A row of texts were trying to come through, and I'm learning mode. So your phone doesn't just go vibrating. We own our own business, have uh, built horse barns for quite some time, and used to be a lean-to and a pole barn builder from right here. Left a very lucrative business here, my brother and I, and we made $12,000 the first year living in South Carolina. Two years after we were married, um, there was a group of people that used to come up to the camp meetings here. Does anybody remember as a kid? I don't know if anybody's old enough. This this 20-some years ago. Um, I don't know if there's some older ones here who remember to talk about the camp meetings. Maybe just Michael and, and David and Linda and them. The camp meetings. What a special time in the Lord. And there were some families from South Carolina would come up and and they were praying for some families to come help them from here. And, um, Lauren Overholtz, some of you know Jeff as a professional volleyball player. How many of you know Jeff? Look at that. I should have brought him with me, huh? Him and Avery getting married. Somebody give him a hand. Come on. He'd, he'd get all red in the face if he knows I mentioned him publicly. Lauren Overholtz, Andrew and Elizabeth Weaver, I believe they have a child or more than one child or a young man here. How many? We, there are one, just one, the one. And my wife and I answered that call. And Kyle, some of you know Kyle, just a tremendous man of God and a businessman to date. He was a young boy, and a prayer request in the room that we had went to visit before we moved, he, he was praying for three families to come help. And uh, so the three of us families moved to South Carolina, and uh, our income was $12,000 that first year. I'm preaching my message without using notes, and I hope to get in some of it because I have some really fun and some really good uh, things to dig into, but I kept hearing no pressure, so that's why I'm just kind of talking to you. What the Lord has done in our finances there by giving this up, the chills of the Holy Ghost go all the way through, all the way to my feet. Hundreds of thousands of dollars of net profit per year. Now, it took a long time to get there, 20-some years. 
Yes, I said hundreds of thousands of dollars of net. How many of you know the difference between net profit and gross profit? Your parents must have taught you because the books in school don't teach you that, dude. We have 40, around 40 doors. I call them doors, rentals, rent-to-owns, houses that we get paid rent on. We make a lot more money on residual income that comes into our mailbox every month, cha-ching, cha-ching. I tell people, if you think time goes too fast, get some rentals, and you'll never be worried about how time fast goes because the first of the month is pretty fun to come around to. Residual income, a lot more than most people make, two to three times as much as the average income holders just from having residual income. It's important I tell you some of this stuff because of some of my material that I want to bring to you. God got a hold of me. He didn't get a hold of me on the finances. I hated money and I hated business and hated business people in a sense. I know that's a strong word, but I had a high dislike for any of that because I thought they weren't sold out to the Lord. And God's kind of laughing. He he chuckled in heaven and said, I'm going to take this boy on a journey he never saw coming. From the age of 13, I was impressed on Africa outside of any influence that I'm aware of within our churches, with missions or reading books or any other person, the Holy Spirit pressed on my heart at the age 13, Africa. Eighteen years later was the first time I went to Ghana, Africa with Gospel Express on the Seed Project, and I preached over and over and over and over and over again on that trip. And now I'm going to Africa numerous times a year and had the greatest opportunity I ever had over the first of the year. So what are you saying, Matthew? Are you encouraging us to do business and ministry? No. But that's what, that's what the Lord asked out of my wife and I. My wife runs over 10 checkbooks. We have numerous apps. Right now we're in a season we've never been in before, more challenging in some ways than we've ever experienced in our life. And God's calling us to the next level of surrender. I don't know if you've picked up by the Holy Spirit or not, but that's the word for today. Is surrender. Surrender in worship. And how it affects so many things in our life. And how it helps us take the judgment off of ourselves in what it loves. I mentioned to you that at the age of 13, I was impressed to go to Africa. So when 
the Lord dealt with me at the age 19 and where I wept it out at the altar and many, many days listening to tapes out of Pennsylvania, I'd be going the road and weeping and weeping and weeping in those early days. I started to practice what I was being taught, a season alone with God. And the one time moving from Maryland, Tennessee, I couldn't find the place now. I was a lonely, unmoved parents trying to find my way in life. David and Ada Troyer opened their place up for us to stay in their apartment. I packed my clothes in the car. And on the way to Tennessee, I found a place where people had put some tents up. There was no running water there, but it was kind of a camping facility. I have no idea how I found it. There was not one other person for three days. I got in that tent, and I sought the Lord. I had two things. I had a Bible and a hymn book. And you heard my story that I don't know how to sing. But for those three days, I sang. There was a big river right there beside it. I don't remember if I had shampoo along or not, but I would bathe in that river. And I would seek the Lord. We grew up with no TV and no movies. But I liked seed. Some of you like Ford versus Ferrari. Do I have anybody that likes that? Come on, give me some noise. Uh, You don't like it. Not near as much as my son and I do. And I had the number threes. Anybody know what the number three stood for? Somebody help me out. Dale Earnhardt. I don't know if I ever saw him on TV news. I didn't. I just knew I liked speed, and I knew he was one of the best drivers. And I had a number three on my keychain, and the Holy Spirit convicted me of the number three on my keychain. I didn't read about him; I just knew about him. I took that number three, and my daddy had taught us never to litter. If it's a banana peel, you can throw it out the window, but never to litter trash. He would always walk around and kick and trash. And so we'd pick it up. He was tall and he had a bad back, so he would kick trash and we'd pick it up. Whether on the job or whether at the house, we learned. He didn't have to say anything. He went like this. And we just reached down there and picked it up. We did two things for him. We picked his trash up and his boots. I mean, his pants would always catch on the back of his boots, on his red wing boots that I still have a pair of. I think my sister may have them now and has flowers growing out of them. A pair of red wing boots that he had on at the accident. And... Um, I'd fix his pant legs. Now I lost where I was when I was thinking about my dad and his pant legs. Where was I going? No littering. So I took number three, and I threw it into those woods as hard as I could throw it. And from that day forward, I've never for title or something like that to get me. And those were some of the early years of surrender to the Lord. That three days changed the trajectory of my life. 
I still can't pronounce English words properly, but I sure know how to live it in some stuff. And it changed it. And so in skipping all of this, in true worshipers, that's a, a... we talked about the invitation to worship and a call to worship and then the attack of the worship. And we talked about the answer to that call. The attack of the call, I'm sorry, and then the answer to the call. And to see you answer that call so easily really messed with me last evening. Because I truly believe in how you respond to a weekend like this is, is setting the stage to, to help others respond. And I remember back days when God was getting a hold of my heart and we'd travel back and forth to Pennsylvania to there at Charity. And I just remember being seated there and just being at awe at the men and women of God that prepared a place for us to come. I remember times of 500 young people in a setting, and Brother Keith Daniels would come up, and you could feel the pre- Anybody remember? You could feel the presence of God as he walked the aisle. And he shared stories with us that we never had heard the likes of in their travels in South Africa. Be aware of full circle. My wife now volunteers for a ministry based out of South Africa. And we, we talk about the impact that those days had on our marriage and Look, I know, I, I just, I'm going to get with you, but I, I liked when those guys got real with us. And, and the route of some of that is demonic. And it's not honoring. And some of you are the repercussion from some of those conversations and some of those things that happened. And I didn't come to Cleveland, North Carolina to address this issue. But when the Holy Spirit just says no pressure, and I just want to guide you in every word and how you share it and when and, and how loud you get and then how quiet, it's okay. I, I, you, see, you don't understand what I paid in surrender to get there. And I'm upset along with the grievance of the Holy Spirit of some of the reaction that has affected some of you and especially some of those who are unchurched and they're out there, forgotten and lost at levels maybe even worse than I was in my story because of reaction and it's demonic. Be aware of it. Don't let it infiltrate into you. I'm not blaming anybody or anything. I have greatest respect and heavy hitters. They were home run hitters. They get on the stage. Hey, they might have had a strike or two. I sure didn't see that. And that ball would 
out of the park, over the fence. I'd never witnessed a church experience where home runs were being hit. I had observed earlier a lot of strikeouts, but the batter wasn't willing to seek the Lord why he couldn't hit the ball. The enemy being the pitcher. And I never knew what would come full circle. As now, others affected by that early ministry are now leading the stage. And I get to, after 22 years, for the first time, no blame on anybody. I had no resentment. But I've left numerous churches to go to other ministries. This is the first that invited me back to preach where I came from. You see my wife and I this weekend, we're still working on some elementary things. Some we've graduated and have continued to grow, but we still go to marriage counseling. We still have spiritual mentors. But the one thing I promise you is we're growing and we have a love for one another and texts that we share one with another. That are multiply X-rated. And the hearts that we share one with another in our good times. Even in the midst of deep trauma, different cultural backgrounds. Only a few short years ago, my wife found out that the father that raised her wasn't her biological father. He had adopted her. He had done the right thing. And when I first married her, in my spirit, and for 15 years we sat on that. Now she's building a relationship with her new family in Pennsylvania. You say, but you're being recorded. But I say, you don't know the price that she paid and I paid. So whoever listens to it, I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. But coming here, the Lord gave me a truth at a depth I never saw before. The treasure of my story. Of my wife's story. It truly has become a treasure because of the depth that we've been able to dig into regarding the kingdom of God and some of the things that we get to share with each other. And the best I know how to communicate some of that, it's 
of surrender. Do you feel the weight? feel that I'm not trying to scare anybody I'm just wanting to communicate with you at the best way possible at the deepest level possible about surrender do you remember Shadrach Meshach and Abednego you remember the story? Being in a foreign place, away from things that kept them more in alignment. And they were called upon to bow to the idol of Nebuchadnezzar. And they stayed standing. And it upset him and his entourage and they called him forth and gave another opportunity for them to bow. They, they stayed standing. In their surrender, they, and I dare say to you today, on March the 24th, 2023, there's a miracle inside of your surrender. Not only did we have a miracle regarding our finances in the surrender to move to South Carolina, when we first went there, I honestly thought it was the ugliest place. Where's Christian? Christian, how long have you lived? Have you grew up there? Oh, you don't count. Who, who moved to South Carolina from somewhere else? Really? It has to be God. When we first went to Windsor, South Carolina, where Pat and Patty Quill are, tremendous man and woman of God, that Christian works for. I really, I had been to Texas and thought it was ugly. And I said, I have not been at an uglier place in the United States of America. (laughs) Surrender. Watch what God does with some time. That word kept coming to me here because of all the memories and the emotions that are resurfacing in a new way. 22 years later, I now had the opportunity last June to buy a pole barn company in Colorado. So about two to three, four times a year, I fly out there to address some things with the business, and then I get to see that mountain range. What's that area called right through there? It's, it's not in my mind. Right? The front range, 
It's absolutely stunning. Up into Fort Collins and up into there. That makes up South Carolina really quick. Surrender. Look, I know you start getting worried, not you, but people about the health and wealth gospel. And, and, and there's been some rejection of that. And now there's, there's in the kingdom teaching and in finances and in church and ministry, I feel there's large groups of people that are um, being more mature. Amen, David? Kaufman being more tour. God's blessed them. I remember when they didn't have too many quarters to rub back and forth together. I, I, this is story time today. I'm going to own all of my bunny trays. My father used to go to his chainsaw shop back in the day. I was just a young codger. You say, you knew him that long? Yeah. And I still have a chainsaw. What is it? A 2077? Did I get it right? I was going to ask you for a hand for my memory, but I'll let it go. A 2077 Johnson Red chainsaw that still works, and I have it in my garage. What was on Liz and I's hearts as I came here? And he, as she was trying to communicate with me, is there something you can pull in from what impacted us so much when we were young? And I just threw my hands up in my spirit. And I, I don't know how to do that. And I'm having to trust a completely complete surrender, 100% to the Lord in my communication that he's having to do that in and through whatever I'm speaking to you. Because if I can give you that gift I was given so many years ago that we're still talking about, still honoring, and still appreciating. As a 19-year-old boy listening to Brother Denny Keniston's preaching, all I'm doing is putting healing out. Healing. Okay? As a 19-year-old boy, I so bad wanted to go up and shake his hand. But I was too scared. From the seat to the platform in my mind, not in his, but in my mind, was way too big a gap. And I'll never forget walking by Brother Keith Daniels one time, and he shook my hand, and I froze. I mean, I was shaking the man of God's hand, and, and he said, I just want to tell you, your countenance is bright. Change my life. I was in so much inward trauma, I can't even begin to explain to you the problems I was dealing with in my own heart and how I perceived myself. It changed my life. And I just want you to know, because sometimes the way I preach or how loud I get or the things I say, I, I don't know what to do with that. 
And I've carried that. But I want you to know that you can shake my hand. Okay? And in my spirit, I just want to come hug all of you right now. So I'll just have to do it in a verbal way because I love you. And I just want to hug you. Some of you need to just be held for a long time. I've done, I've, I've just pulled in people and squeezed them. I was at an event, at a leadership event years ago. And in this event with preachers and ministers and people you try to be a little more careful around, I don't know. It's, we have this thing we want to press one another. We want to preach better than the next one. We want to say something more exciting than the next one. You say, yeah, that's what we think. And we have to deal with that. It's not from the Lord. Okay? But we deal with that. We want to be good at what we do just like anybody else. We have the same flesh and blood. And I'm at this meeting and... The reason I'm saying this is because we hesitate even more in that setting, spirit. I mean, imagine with me for a little bit, practice preaching in Bible college in a room full of preachers that can just shuck the corn. And you're like, how they communicated God's word. And you get up there trembling. And you have to practice preach. It's part of the job, part of the schooling. Some of you are good at it. I've heard your testimonies. But I'm there at this meeting, and the Holy Spirit showed me this guy and told me I need to go sit over there. And we were experiencing a deep level of the presence of the Lord, and everybody was seated, and I don't know what all was going on. And I slipped over there and sat beside him. And the Lord said, don't say anything. I'm like, ooh, because by then he had trained me to open my mouth because I was usually so shy. And by now, he's telling me to hush. And I sat beside him, put my arm on his shoulder, and just sat there. Very uncomfortably. I didn't know the guy. I put my hand on his shoulder, and he began to weep. Until it was over with, he laid his head on my, soaked my pants with his tears. Surrender in the voice of of the Lord. We're so scared of doing it wrong. We're so scared to miss God when he communicates things because we do some of the havoc that's happened. We have seen people pushed over in a charismatic service where they're literally pushed over because they have to have that in order to qualify their meeting. So we, are, we don't want to manufacture it. And yet, surrender, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm, here's what I'm trying to communicate, guys. Every time you surrender, there's a gift waiting for you that you would not have been able to receive would you not have surrendered. I'm feeling like a salesman today. So many of you are so surrendered already. What else do I surrender? I'll be through in just a minute. Their miracle and the master was in the fire with them. At the age of 13, 
I surrendered my life to Christ and received the gift of salvation that will last in eternity. At the age of 19, I, re- I surrendered, watch this, my failures. I didn't know what to do with them. To embrace a life of victory. In my early 20s, I was staying home for a season with the Lord, and my wife came up to North Carolina here early with two of our young kids, our two oldest kids, but they were young at the time, very young, to come early up for Christmas. And I said, hey, I'm going to hang back, and then I'll come up for Christmas Day. When I was there in that single wide that we had moved to South Carolina that my father-in-law had so gracious given us, and we parked that single wide there in a barren property Carolina. See, I think about money as, right, as soon as I say this. I go back and forth because after we moved away from there, there was two single wides there. I'd put one in for my brother, and for a year got $900 a month. And that's what started our real estate stuff. Some of you, the Lord will call to get into, God bless you, some residual income. God bless you. So that you can do what he surrendered you to do. Now watch this because I'm going to go a little faster now. $900 a month. How many of you could use that? And for many years, the rent to own was there. And a relationship came out with me and this um, Mormon background guy that still hasn't trusted Christ as his Savior. We're still very close. But I stayed back in that trailer. And while I'm on my knees at the couch... The Lord put in his one hand ministry and in his other hand business. And he said, I want you to pick one. And the beings the Lord had so changed my life. I'm like, it's obvious ministry. It so impacted me. And if I can help somebody else, I signed up for ministry. And immediately business things started happening. And I thought, is this a test? What is this? But years later, looking back, I discovered God wanted me to do both. So over the years, it's been both. And there's countless stories that I could tell regarding ministry and business and how it's open door after door after door. But that was out of surrender. I didn't want to do business. I just wanted to serve in the mission field. I wanted to everywhere I went, Haiti, Africa, Turkey, Pakistan, I just wanted to move there. Until I went to Africa for the first time, God showed me, I want you to do short term. In my 30s, I surrendered to the baptism of the Holy Spirit manifested in birthing new things and the gift of praying in tongues. I said gift. I think it's okay for you to desire that gift. I had desired it. I didn't know how to get it or how to do it or whatever. That gift has been very valuable to me. There's no pressure. But if you know the Lord has called you to pray in a heavenly language, 
just start doing it in your closet. The baptism of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You don't have to be in a church service. And no, that's not the first time I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Even though that those that were helping me tagged it, that's Matthew's baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I just kept going and kept getting infilled with the Holy Spirit. But some supernatural things happened then that one day I may share with you. That's pretty exciting, but I want to just highlight some of these things. One of my good friends said, Matthew, enjoy the gift. Don't forget to use it. It's a gift. I don't know if God doesn't give that gift to everybody. I don't know. I'm not that type of persuasion person. I just know I desired it, and I was pulled in when people prayed in tongues, and eventually that's what happened to me. In my 40s, just not long ago, I was at a pastor's conference in Africa. Remember, every time you surrender at the next level, help me out, yes, every time you surrender at the next level, God's got a gift to give back to So I didn't know I needed to surrender more things. And I'm there in Africa, and the worship was thick. I went to the altar with some others, and God began to speak some things that he wanted me, God bless you, to do in the coming days. And he confirmed it in that very same service. And a very elderly lady from Kenya said, here's what telling me to tell you and it looks bigger than all the surrenders I've done to date combined okay to me it looks bigger I have no idea how that could ever remotely become possible But God's called me to go to every country in Africa. I'm 46 years old. That's three countries a year. I'm going to have to own my own plane. I'm going to have to have a support. I'm going to need you to fund me. Come on now. You're supposed to be smart. You're saying that's what your properties are supposed to do to fund you, right? So you never know what God is setting you up for in surrender. Let me, let me close with this. David Livingston was one of those true worshipers who surrendered. Hudson Taylor, George Mueller, William Carey, Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, Helen Keller, Lottie Moon, Elizabeth Elliott, Amy Carmichael, Catherine Booth, Corey and Betsy Tinboon, Johnny Erickson Tata, Katie Davis, Nick Verjucic. I don't know who your favorites are, and there's a list of people that are still living that I could put in there that have lived that surrendered life. I know a hundred questions tend to come with that. What all does that mean? One day at a time. It's easy to surrender here. It's easy. Y'all are 
seemingly, at least what I'm observing, guys are surrendered at levels far beyond me when I was your age. But what are you going to do when you're in the living room with your teenage kids and you have a bigger funny issue than they do? Because sooner or later, this is going to shift and people are going to start laying it down. What if your kids, which happened in my, they're less addicted to the phone than my wife and I? See, the Lord's saying, how about using some airplane mode at the house? Now I have to surrender that if I want to keep going. What are you going to do? What are are you going to do? I'm not worried about here. I'm not going to give an altar call at the sense of what happened last. It's okay. We might give another one. I don't know. But I, I don't know what you're going to bring to the Lord as you go into reflection time. If I could just have a keyboard player, I'm up here. That keeps me a little more accountable to wind this up and get you into a place of, of reflection. Here's what I'm going to ask for you as you find a place alone. You, most of you know how it's done. The new ones can ask the others. Um, there's probably to sprinkle around all throughout the building outside. There's plenty of places outside. And when that happens, when there's 50 young people outside and somebody goes to the road, they're either going to get saved or reminded of God, I guarantee. So just find yourself a place. And I don't know if there's somebody here, and this may be more for Sunday, but I don't know if somebody needs to visit the graveyard. And just reflect. And just surrender. I know Byler is your mama buried out there. I don't know. I have a lunch appointment, but I have to walk out there with you if that's okay with you. Can I do that? I won't be able to be long, but... I know you've done it so many times. Your hand's tired of giving it. I just want to be with you for a minute. Just hold your hands with you. Stand with you. I'm not a counselor. I don't counsel well. You know. I know how to stand with somebody. All that all I ask is they just have to let me. And he already agreed. I'll stand with you in your surrender. As I dismiss you, would you just stand? And I know you do this so well. And we've led so many inmates to freedom with their hands, of getting their hands washed with the blood of Jesus for some of the activity that their hands had committed. And as you bring your hands a, a clean heart to the Lord,
let us, lamentations of all places, says, let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. All I'm asking you to do, if you would be, do, uh, be willing to do some physical therapy, and just hold your hands out like this. And as you go into your time of reflection over the next 30 or 40 minutes or however time the leaders allow, guys are preparing for the Asbury revival likeness. Doesn't have to but when meeting with Jesus takes priority over the God of our stomachs. I'm not recommending this but I remember in those days I do it differently now. I'd go to those Bible schools up there and I'd fast for seven days right there during Bible school for seven days. I'm not recommending that necessarily, but there's a person or two that's going to need to surrender their noon lunch. you to take this into your time of reflection because God's going to give you something. Normally from the testimony of others and myself, I'm only using that. It could be two or three things, so please don't misunderstand me. It's probably handle a lot more than I can so that may happen but you're setting the stage for just continual moves of God. I don't know how you're going to pay your groceries when those things happen. Those are things I think about. But I want to tell you, others that have prepared, the older generation that has prepared for the revival, they have plenty of money. Trust me. All you need is not a heart of, what is it? I don't even know what it is right now where you think it's owed to you. That's all that you need to get. Some of you need to get rid of that. That 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 somebody owes you something. Nobody owes you anything. Some of you, it's time for you to brush up with your finances because you're still. Well, I don't mean to be mad. What it, what is it that God is asking you to give to you, Father? It's in Jesus' name we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I want to thank you for the opportunity in the midst of my pain and and confusion and struggle and even knowing how to process this word and the attacks of the enemy that tend to come. And God, I surrender that to you. And, and, and as a group here today, we're walking in surrender levels that are new to us because the atmosphere is calling it out and 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 the call of surrender was throughout the day and and prepare us to hear the words that will be spoken um, this afternoon that we could continue um, being led by the Holy Spirit as it pertains to other subject matters and Lord I, I just treasure this time that I was able 
to spend with these young people as we dismiss and, and go to our places of reflection. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would empower us. In Jesus' name.